Hello, and welcome to what is probably the first mini-show that you guys are going to be hearing. Uh, with these, we're going to take a deep dive into a moment in a character's backstory that uh, you might find interesting and relevant, and will enlighten you, hopefully, to a bit about that character. Uh, joining me today for the first of these uh, will be... Virgil, played by Sublime, playing Sublime. That'll it's, make sense in a second. Yeah, too. it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's very complicated. Um, so, this is actually the furthest back in the timeline I think any of the players are going to go. I think so, yeah. So, no, yeah, no, actually, I can confirm that. No one, no one's going back further than this. Uh, what? How many years ago is this? This is 12 years ago. And so, little Virgil is how old is he now he is five years old at the time of this event and i'm this is something i'm curious does he have any family nicknames uh well uh gosh world building on the spot we're gonna go with no he's always just virgil that's a very old man name for a baby which is fine it's fitting i'm just (laughs) okay that is fitting on so many levels so You and your family, your family has brought you up to the ruins behind Nimla. The ruins here are nestled between some fairly arid mountain regions that are battered by Sirocco winds and sometimes snowed in during the winter, but rarely. Usually these are simply too warm and put at a very particular angle for the wind that keeps them fairly dry. Your family is up here doing an archaeological dig, and they thought it might be nice for you to be able to come out and see what they did. Even though their supervision hasn't exactly been perfect, you're not known for wandering off. What what does Virgil have on him at this day at the ruins? He is going to have, like, a toy version of some archaeological tools, I will say. And have any of the Pokémon been tasked with minding him? Not necessarily for, like, minding him, but, like, he plays with a much younger Archon and Ammonite. And who do these belong to? Yes, of course. So in the present, um, Virgil's parents have an Amistar and an Archaeops. So um, those would be his parents' Pokemon. Valentina, his mother, has the Archon, and Ovid, his father, would have the Ammonite. All right. It sounds like Sublime's confused why we're going over this. It's because we've recorded the session with Ovid already. Uh, so we, we've gone over these. Um, we're just, uh, this is going to be aired out of order, so we'll have to <laughs> lay that out. And notably absent is Apollo, who you do not have yet. Nope. And probably hasn't been born yet, thinking about how long Pokemon live. Probably so, not. Um, yeah. Although, you know what? Cruella's probably alive, because she's old as hell. Yeah, no, Cruella yeah. is like in her mid-thirties at this point. You've <laughs> <laughs> established Cruella's an old bitch. <laughs> yes. See that wise um, old bitch that live on the mountain. That's Cruella. See that hermit. She lives in the city. Except it's the city. Well, maybe she came to the city. Yeah, maybe she was a mountain hermit and then she decided to come to the city because she got an omen. That's what I'm going with. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. We can make I love happen. Cruella. I love Cruella so much. I'm glad, I'm glad. Your parents have been doing something incredibly boring 
uh, with some of the equipment that you just don't understand. It seems to be a large screen of sorts that is connected to a bunch of metal wiring that goes into a long metal rod that they're kind of walking very carefully around uh, an area that is marked by stakes. And on the screen, it's showing various colors at different depths. But as far as you are able to tell at five, you have absolutely no idea what's going on. And any attempt to explain it to you by the well-meaning grad students, they just can't explain it to a five-year-old very well. But they've been doing this for a solid hour and a half, and you can only make so many dirt castles. That's true. Especially with the dirt there, I feel like it wouldn't be very good for the castles. Virgil's frustrated. No. His castles aren't as good as they should be. So what does Virgil do? Virgil is going to look for better sand to build something out of. Because this dirt ain't um, cutting it. So Virgil looks around with his little plastic shovel and little bucket. And there is uh, what appears to be remnants of the excavation. Uh, just the loose sand that was pulled out as they were digging out one of the pits here. Uh, where they were going through a fire pit, probably. Most of the actual fire pit was carted off. But there is just loose sand uh, that has been piled up. Great. Virgil's going to go towards that. <laughs> and start trying to play with it. As he sifts through the sand, he finds a very beautiful small piece of something red, a shattered red shard. But it's just... That is an omen. That is an omen. (laughs) Yeah, it's as if Virgil has a knack for pulling shards out of loose piles of sand. Yep. As you you start to, to fill your bucket, there's a sound, and it's faint... You hear it, but there's definitely it's definitely present. That's uh, coming a ways away from where everyone else is. And I'm assuming like whatever archaeological tools are being used are also making a sound since they're kind of like drilling. Well, it's not really a drill. This is actually a very quiet machine. I don't mm, remember the name, okay. but I have a vivid mental image of it's Got essentially it. a ground MRI. Mm-hmm. Uh, disturbance okay, so. In the, this isn't competing with any sounds. It's not competing with any sounds at all. Okay, then I guess Virgil's gonna, because he is a precocious, curious five-year-old, uh, look for the sound. As he looks around, there's a sort of, really it's more of an impression. It's less of a physical feeling and more of a weight pressing down as he looks around, as he looks towards... Um, basically towards the foot of the pass that uh, leads up towards the larger archaeological find at the very top of the mountain. Climb all the way up there is probably unlikely to be quick, even for a determined five-year-old, but that is definitely where that feeling is coming from. And the sound repeats from the same direction as that that force, and it's choked. It, it sounds like like someone crying. Virgil's gonna keep following it. He don't care if it's at the top of the mountain. He is curious, and so what do five-year-olds do? Nothing they're supposed to. Uh, Virgil starts to walk up towards it, and at this point, we are pulled out of the close camera to a much more on shot. As Virgil starts walking, a haze, uh, visible to the viewer, but not apparently to Virgil, descends over his face and he just starts kind of wandering 
instead of going up the trail at a reasonable path following what is laid out there, he seems to almost phase through stones, as if wandering up an ancient and non-existent trail. For what Virgil can see, there is no path that has been worn by the feet of the archaeologists. He is following an entirely different road, one that seems even more well-worn to our eye, one that seems practically like it's been marched up and down for a hundred or thousand years, though a rock slide had covered it entirely. It's even paved in places, and some of those paving stones have been worn through. As he reaches the top, we see a crumbled and broken shrine. Virgil does not. Virgil sees a beautiful and immaculate, well-kept temple with two striking mosaics of fairy tale gods. And that sound of crying is coming from deeper within it. And there's a feeling of dread. It's thick. It's every part of you should be saying, don't come closer. But that sound is just beckoning. What would happen if Virgil turned back, just to look back? As he looks back, the trail continues back down towards where he was. But at the point that he can look back, he realizes something is not quite right. Because it doesn't look like... Instead of the tents that were near the base of that hill, marking where students were building things or uh, working on finds, those are gone. And they don't look like they've been moved. They look like they haven't been there. Mm-hmm. It, with that in mind, I guess he would want to keep exploring because he's like, well, that must not have been where he thought they were. All right. So the room is laid out where directly in front of you seems to be some sort of altar the sound is difficult to place, but the room itself, other than its size, is fairly simple in its layout. At the far end of the room is the altar, and at the near end, the two mosaics. In the center, the room is frankly a large circular room uh, with no light coming in from the sky and no light other than some candles that seem to strain against the darkness. It's oppressive and musty. There is very, very little ventilation only that which can be achieved through the exchange of air at the cave's entrance. It's more cave than building, but the perfect floor and the well-crafted walls hint that it wasn't entirely natural. Someone has come out and more or less taken an existing cavern and expanded and smoothed out the edges. Okay. Mm. Sound is definitely coming from inside it. And there are benches and things that someone could be under their make is so old that they're not exactly all raised off the ground mm-hmm. so I guess Virgil's gonna examine them as he walks in that feeling only gets stronger and the sound stops entirely examining the benches they're made out of stone hewn from a single piece but also not, not like pulled from the floor uh, it looks like someone has you know, left them here, has taken them in. But they're all immaculately crafted, very old. Virgil has seen this style of architecture, and he's seen them very much in the books that his parents bring home, not around. That makes sense. Mm, the, so the voice stopped, or the sound stopped. Yes. Virgil's gonna... Entirely, yeah. yeah, Virgil, I think, would want to try and leave. All right. 
as he looks up, there is no door. Got it. Yep. Yeah. Um. So he's very afraid because he's five, and there's no way out, and that's creepy, and that's just great. I guess he's gonna look at these stones. Okay. Looking over and around at the benchwork, there's really nothing that catches his eye. It's all just a room, and there's no sound other than his own breathing. How is so Virgil's afraid? But is he is he crying? Is he calling out? He would be. I think he would be calling out for his parents. Yeah, he'd be calling out. I don't think he's crying yet. As he calls out. The room echoes, but not in the way one would think. It's not that it gets softer as it bounces off the room. It stays at the exact same volume. After he calls out a couple of times, it sounds like there is just a constant call for his parents bouncing off of the walls. They're getting quieter. It's maddening. Yeah, that sounds pretty and awful. Five. Yeah. I think, oh my, this is great. Virgil's going to start crying, which makes more noise. <laughs> and the cries just bounce and bounce, which makes him cry louder, which makes the sound louder. Yeah. <laughs> and after, he's not sure exactly how long, all of the sound stops entirely. And as Virgil looks up from where he's crying, above him is a woman. And she would be beautiful if it weren't for the several spears that have been run through her. And not just through her body, but through her face and through her chest as she looms over him, her feet not quite touching the ground, he an inch off the ground. She says nothing but looks. Virgil screams. That's horrifying. As Virgil screams... (sighs) So does the woman, but not in fear, in, well, rage. Her body contorts around her mortal wounds, and she sort of fuzzes out to a purple, thick miasma with the spears whirling around inside of it. And there's a single word that pierces his soul as it echoes through the room, completely inescapable, and it whispers, die. And in that moment, something in Virgil snaps. A piece of potential, something that had always been there, somewhat formless, now decides its form. It's no longer as entwined as another's might be, and it rapidly takes shape. Virgil's form, much like the woman's, blurs. He doesn't have enough mastery to be able to pull off any real sort of transformation. And in a moment, that form has a timeless, ageless version of himself, a full-grown, if not quite, man with his same dark skin but brilliant green floor-length hair. Who is this? This is uh, Sublime, which is Virgil's alter ego. Sublime stands up, and I'm going to let you uh, decide what Sublime can do, but I'm going to let you know three things that Sublime knows. One, he knows that this is an illusion. He knows that he's not actually being attacked right now. He knows that if this thing hurts him, it actually will hurt him. Mm-hmm. And he knows more or less everything that you can do a couple levels ago. 
Mm -hmm. Those are all abilities that he has immediate access to. I would think in this instance, he might have like more fully realized form or like more realized uh, abilities even that Virgil hasn't figured out in the, yeah, yeah. That Virgil hasn't even figured out in the present. So he is going to conjure a bunch of energy in both hands, combine it and blast this thing with a full powered moon blast. As it strikes the ghost, the phantom, the whatever it is, reels back in more surprise than pain. The attack seems to have some sort of effect on it, but not much. It seems to practically eat the hit. What seems to be hurting it is the light. It whirls and contorts this cloud, more forming up to something that resembles a human head, sort of, but not quite cohesive enough to really have any definite form. All of the candles in the room are completely snuffed, but the light radiating off of your aura is enough for you to see the entire room and more. You are blazing like a torch. And it and the voice hisses out, What are you? Hmm. Does Sublime know what he is? All Sublime knows is that he is magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What Sublime knows is that he is a figment of Virgil. Mm -hmm. He knows that he's not real in the sense that he's never existed separately. But he knows that he is still an existing mm -hmm. personality aspect. Mm -hmm. He knows that he's not a real... It's not Sublime is not his own person. He is very much a survival mechanism that can trigger within Virgil. Mm -hmm. And he's aware of that. He's also aware that he is a super-powered magical demigod. Yes, I'm here for this. Yes, this is great. All right. For, uh, Sublime gonna be like, I'm magic, bitch. And blast it again. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's about what I expected. The ghost hisses away from it, more moving out of the way than risking whatever this thing's light is. And it sneaks out as a ribbon of darkness. The spears forming up into its head as if to ram you and impale you. And you are not afraid. Though it is going to stab you, how do you react? How would Vert a Sublime react to that? Uh, would he be able to, like, move? No? He'd be able to move a little bit, but probably not to dodge it completely. Got it. He needs some sort of ability assist. But Got you're it. super flexible. If you want to, say, you use aromatic mist to make a mist shield. In this situation, I'll let you do it. Um, we're actually going to use some other stuff, I guess. He's going to try and use a Feylock, which is another thing Virgil hasn't unlocked. Um, Alright, and what will that let it do? It It's kind of like how when Virgil actually uses an omen, it can reduce the accuracy of a person's attacks in like a weird magical way. But more fairy and less omeny. Ghost? Yeah. As you you just kind of give it a bitch please look, and you feel essentially energy snap off of you, part of that luminous aura, and just bend it down. The spears go wide and smash into the ground next to you. It hisses and tries to collect itself, but you can probably reach out and touch it now. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to touch this? No. It's you might got have a move that's melee range. I I mean I do. Ooh, ooh, that'll be traumatizing, I'm sure. 
Yeah, all right. Virgil's going to use Draining Kiss, which is not a kiss. It's just him sticking his hand on something and siphoning. Really, there's not much physical form other than the spheres, though you are able to get your hands firmly around them. And then there is a moment where you touch them where you just even sublime reels from the mental shock. And he's grateful that Virgil probably can't feel any of that. But even then, getting his hands around it, he's able to leech at this creature itself. It starts to get unmade, and that is the biggest panic it's had since this whole thing started. It wrenches itself away, and you can feel that it whatever you did, by draining it, by touching physical component of it, you've weakened this thing tremendously. The spears clatter to the ground, but the cloud itself still remains. It hisses and contorts, and the room fuzzes a little bit. The stone bench is crumbling for a moment, and most critically, the door opening for a moment. So the door is open. Like if you keep, it was, but it's it's fading mm-hmm. in and out. I see. One more smack and this thing will probably lose lose control of you enough. That you how big or how big or how small would you say this room is? In a meter by meter, yeah. I would say it's it's pro- it's a circular room that is probably about twenty meters across, diameter, ten each. Okay. Like All it's right. a very big room. It is a grand okay. temple for a major god. Got it. All right. Then how about this? Sublime's going to use a big finish that actually untransforms him. He's going to use a magical burst. Okay. Which explodes. Um, it's like he can use any of his moves, so we're going to say it is a moonblast magical burst. And what happens is it's like it's a three burst attack. Yeah. It's pretty big. <laughs> it's pretty big, right? That's why I wanted to know how big the room was. It's a three burst that um, is basically just a gigantic magical explosion. It's like the ultimate... Um, it's like Virgil's Nova option, eventually. It's like the big finisher, right? It is a right. explosion that hits everything in the range, and I'm going to assume that it has an effect on the, envi- the entire environment itself. Like, it's a big explosion of fairy energy. Uh, it's basically Sublime I giving his all. Where are you hitting? Are you hitting the ghost? Yes. Is how close is the ghost? You can't hit both. They're on opposite ends of you. Oh, well, then we're going to hit the ghost. We're hitting the ghost. This will untransform Sublime, though, I will say. Yeah. Sublime realizes his time is quickly running out, so he goes to, essentially, his fuck it option. Reaches his hands back, puts them out, and a wave and explosion ripples from that point of origin and just bursts in a haze of both energy of but glittery energy glittery energy but also raw emotion love, compassion justice, self-satisfaction not all perfect emotions but the emotions of a trickster who's tricking the right person and that energy demolishes the spirit it's not gone, and it will probably heal. Sublime's pretty confident that this place is just straight up haunted. This is not a passing thing. But it does break the spirit's concentration on, on Virgil entirely. The room fades back to how it exists in reality. A mostly excavated room with crumbled benches, worn mosaics, and a collapsed altar. The spirit is nowhere to be seen, and Virgil comes to and doesn't remember anything. In fact, when he looked up and his mind snapped, 
really, he kind of goes blank, but the doors open again. So Virgil doesn't necessarily, like, comprehend what happened, or even necessarily remember it explicitly at this moment, but I feel like he would be overwhelmed with, like, dread. Fear. Yeah. Fear, actually. Okay, yeah. Yeah. In fact, all the confidence is left. Mm -hmm. And he's gonna book it, crying to his parents, (laughs) going back to where everyone else was. As he runs down, he bumps into someone, but he doesn't see. He's just too distracted, and they seem to be not paying attention to the crying child. Mm -hmm. And keeps running down the mountain. The camera (laughs) pulls back a little bit, and we see confused and hazy-eyed Sublime staggering up the hill. Not Sublime, uh, Virgil, rather. That's an important distinction. Virgil climbing up the hill in what appears to be a somewhat compressed version of time. You'll probably arrive back maybe a minute after you left. Okay. Even though you've been gone for more. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we cut back to where your parents are excavating, and they see their son, who maybe half a minute ago, Archon had realized wasn't around, comes running down crying, holding his little plastic excavation shovel, and he just comes running down. Your father immediately rushes to your side. Uh, your mother, Valentina, is... Uh, she, she sees that you're there, and she, she hurriedly hands her notebook off to a grad student and runs over and your father kneels down in front of in front of you Virgil. he goes what what's wrong what's are you, are you hurt or i don't want to be here anymore Did you, i want to go home i want to go home i you've got more work I, are you okay no i don't want to be here did oh okay did something happen he, he's inspecting you for cuts or for scrapes or virgil wants to explain but can't like, Virgil does not have any way to even explain. He's five. Exactly. <laughs> He's five, and he just had, like, an eldritch abomination experience. How would you do that? <laughs> the good thing is he went crazy, so it didn't actually hurt him. So, uh, your father uh, lifts you up and goes, uh, Valentina, I, you said you were about done with your study there. Could you take him back? Or and she nods, and they transfer small Virgil. And she kind of gives you a little hug as she holds you, and she goes, Everything okay? Everything okay, Virgil? He's silent at this point. I think he's run out. He has no tears left to cry. That's what it is. Uh, your mother kind of holds you a little. She goes, let's, let's get you home, okay? She looks much more worried than your father does. Interesting. And um, she she kind of looks and says, "How? Never mind." And she starts walking you down and away. And the camera hard cuts to a scene that is completely alien. It's a field full of red crystal flowers. The bottoms of the plants being green, giving it a weird, quasi-ethereal cast. There's no real visible end to where this is. And Sublime looks around, 
and really doesn't know where he is either. The hyperbolic time chamber, I don't know. There's no features. There's nope. nothing there. Nothing other than a small little creature, maybe a meter high, with beech bark colored skin, a brilliant white cape, and a crown of horns. Ah, what's this fucker have and, to say? Well, this was a bit earlier than expected. Hmm, do you know what you are? I'm magic, bitch! You're gonna say the same line, yes. Mm. <laughs> the, the bean kind of chuckles. I suppose you are. Though, you don't really have a name yet. Well, I'll call you Sublime. It feels correct. <laughs> Who are I'd you? I'd be surprised if it didn't. Irrelevant. An observer. And here to give you one piece of advice. Mercifully, time will not pass exactly the same for you as it will for your host. But I will give you one word of warning. He's not going to know how to do what you did. And he may never learn. Your responsibility is to step in as needed. Keep that one safe. It's not quite time yet. At least that's what I'm suspecting. Sublime smiles. <laughs> it's like, you got it. And whatever you do, don't pick the flowers. He turns around and with a swish of his cape, he's completely gone. Drama queen much? I heard that. I know you did. Oh, and you turn around and he's behind you. I forgot to mention one thing. You're the fairy type. I mean, you probably could have guessed just by the whole kind of motions up and down aesthetic, but um, in case your host isn't aware, <sighs> should be fun. Haven't had a glamour weaver in. Who knows what year it is? Well, I bet it'll be a good decade before you're around, but shouldn't be too long here. Make some tea and just please don't pick the flowers. And he's gone. And Virgil flips, well. no, Sublime flips his hair. And settles in for the wait. Yep. Oh, oof. Rough. Mm. <laughs> no wonder he tries to exert himself over Virgil. Uh-huh. And I think that's where we're ending. The power's out again at Prism Tower. Tune in next time to find out what happens on Puckle PTU, the Beleza Chronicles. Until then, it's closing time.